The good shepherd is one who will lead the flock, gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom. He's a caring shepherd. Jesus now comes in John, John chapter 10 and says, I am the good shepherd. Hello and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sunday School Podcast. What is theology? The word theology can seem intimidating at first, but all it really means is the study of God. Join us as we continue our Sunday School series entitled, Intro to Theology. Well, welcome again to our Sunday School class. Uh, We are continuing with our intro to theology, specifically the I Am Statements of Jesus. Um, And so this, this, I think, will be the last recording that we do uh, in this venue because next Sunday we should be back in our class uh, having Sunday School Live. And I'll I'll go ahead and say as I'm I'm doing this, um, I would much rather teach to to the class live than to do it this way. It's nice to have that interaction. To, it is nice to have that discussion instead of doing it in more in more of a lecture format or whatever. Uh, I, uh, I really like the discussion we have in class. So I'm looking forward to seeing you in class next Sunday. Um, but for this week, we are continuing with John chapter 10, verses 1 through 30. John 10, 1 to 30. This is the same passage that we looked at last week, and we're going to continue looking at it this week. If you need to review the passage or if you need to read John 10, 1 to 30, I invite you to pause this uh, CD recording video now. Uh, Go ahead and pause it. Have your Bibles. Just review very briefly John 10, 1 to 30 so that you know what's going on in this. If you paused it, welcome back. If not, we are, we are going to go ahead and get started. John 10, 1 to 30. Uh, I, uh, and, and today we're going to look specifically at the I am statement of Jesus, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Would you bow your heads with me, please, in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this opportunity once again to be in Sunday school. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word. We pray, Lord, now that you, through the power of the Spirit of God, will just make the word alive in our hearts so we understand more and more of you. For, Lord, we want to get closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus' phrase, I am the door. Uh, Today, we're in the same passage of Scripture, but we have another I am statement in that passage of Scripture, which is, I am the good shepherd. Now, as we're looking at these I am statements, I want to remind you of something that I've, I've said all the way through this. When Jesus uses the phrase, I am, which he does seven times in the book of John, he is you, he's using that phrase in the sense of saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. Uh, we go back to Exodus chapter 3. I'm just reminding you of this. I've said it before. Exodus chapter 3, Moses goes on the holy mount. He sees the burning bush. And uh, part of that conversation, Moses is saying, well, what's your name? Who do I tell the Israelites, you know, you are? uh, What is your name? And we get back from God his name, which in the Hebrew is four letters, Y-H-W-H. We get the word Yahweh. The meaning of that is this name, I am that I am. So he, so he literally tells Moses, tell the Israelites, I am sent you. 
He uses I am as a name. So now Jesus in the New Testament has these seven I am statements. Every Jew would know from hearing Jesus whenever he says, I am the door or I am the good shepherd. By using that phrase, I am, he is referring to himself as God. He's referring to himself as the Messiah. In this case, he uses the phrase, as God, I am the good shepherd. Now, the Jews knew all about bad shepherds. You know, a, a lot of people in this community were actually farmers, and they knew a lot about bad shepherds. In fact, the Old Testament constantly uh, criticized the leaders of the Jewish people for being bad shepherds. You can see Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 25, Isaiah chapter 56. And if you look at those passages, each of them is where the people are being, the leaders are being criticized as being bad shepherds. So they knew they wanted a good shepherd. They wanted good leadership. And this is where the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 comes in. Because this, this prophecy is the desire of the people. The, the prophecy says, Isaiah 40, 11, See, the Lord comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those with young. So the good shepherd, according to the prophecy in Isaiah, the good shepherd is one who will lead the flock, gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom. He's a caring shepherd. Jesus now comes in John, John chapter 10 and says, I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I'm the fulfillment of that Isaiah 40 prophecy. Isaiah 40 says the good shepherd's coming. He says, by saying he's God, I am, I am the good shepherd. I'm the fulfillment of that Isaiah 40 prophecy. As we look at John chapter 10 and we look at this reference of Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd, I want to point out three things. I'm going to give you the little outline of the Sunday school lesson as we're doing this. Three things that we really want to talk about today. I want to talk about Jesus as the good shepherd and his sacrifice for the sheep. Secondly, I want to talk about Jesus as the good shepherd and his relationship to the sheep. And then Jesus as the good shepherd and his searching for the sheep. So those are going to be the three topics that we go through today in our Sunday school lesson. The first one is Jesus as the good shepherd and his sacrifice for the sheep. If we go back to our passage, Jesus begins by saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Knowing what we know about Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, there is no way to escape the alluding that Jesus is making here to the cross. Jesus knew the cross was coming. Jesus knew he was here as a sacrifice, as the perfect lamb. He knew he was going to give his life for all of humanity. Uh, that was the whole plan of God. Uh, what may have been a mystery to those around him was not a mystery to God himself, to Jesus himself. He knew why, why he was here. His whole ministry, the three and a half years of ministry that he had on this earth, was leading to the cross, leading to his sacrifice. So he knew what, uh, what, what his purpose was. And that's why he says, I'm the good shepherd. But then he follows it with the statement, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, he's, he's saying, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die 
for whatever needs may be for the sheep. That's what he's saying. Romans chapter five, verse number eight, God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're the sheep and Christ died for us. Now I'm gonna say this when, uh, and you've heard me say this before in class, whenever we are, we are referred to as sheep, that's not a compliment. Being called sheep is not a compliment. Sheep are stupid. They will stay in the same pasture and never move to the next pasture until the shepherd leads them to move. They're not very bright. Uh, and so when God calls us sheep, that's not a compliment. He's saying, basically, you don't have a lot of sense. You're not that bright. Uh, and, you know, from our perspective, we see ourselves as intelligent, as wonderful, as witty, uh, as those who, you know, we have achieved so much, you know, you know, you know, with our technology and so on. Uh, in fact, years ago when smartphones came out, my wife said she wanted a smartphone. I thought that was a waste of money. I didn't think she'd ever use a smartphone. Well, I was getting a new phone anyway, so she hadn't, so, so she took my smartphone and my goal was just to see if she'd even use a, use a smartphone. My wife uses a smartphone more than I ever dreamed of using one. Uh, she's on Facebook all the time. She does all these games and so on. She uses a smartphone all of the time. And naturally, she's had several since then. Um, the point is, we think of ourselves as tech, you know, technologically advanced. Uh, here's, a, here's a device that didn't exist before. You know, I remember Palm Pilots and uh, iPods and, uh, you know, uh, computer organizers. Uh, I remember the 286 and 386 computers with the big black floppy disk and so on. Uh, in fact, my PC study Bible I used to install on the computer took over 60 of those big black disks just to install them onto the computer. And I thought I was flying high. And now I wouldn't own one. Uh, we have advanced so much. But when we think of ourselves that way and we think we're so smart and we're so bright and we're so intelligent, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about our intelligence as juxtaposed with or contrasted with the intelligence of God, the creator of the universe. We can't create a universe. We don't really create anything. But yet out of nothing, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. Out of nothing, we have to have something to start with, not him. He creates everything out of nothing. And so, and God does it simply by the power of his word. When he says things like, let there be light and so on. Who are we to contrast our intelligence with him? We are like sheep, not very intelligent. When you compare what we know to what God knows and how God operates. Yet, even in that, in our stupidity, uh, in, this, in this being sheep compared to God, God shows his love for us. He still loves us so much that while yet sinners in rebellion against him, he dies for us. So Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for us. Now here's the thing about it. If we really believed that he loves us, the sheep, that much, that he's willing to die for us, I'm the good shepherd, I give my life for the sheep, then shouldn't we, uh, as the sheep, love him to the same degree? Uh, I've been in church most of my life, and I am amazed at the number of people 
that serve the Lord one day, they're not serving the Lord the next day. I'm amazed at those people who only come to church Christmas and Easter, then maybe, because the family makes them. Or those who go to church once a month, uh, and that's it. And the question is, if he loved us so much, he gave his life for us. Shouldn't we demonstrate our love by total commitment back to him? Shouldn't we love him to the same degree? Shouldn't we devote our lives to him? He gave his life for me, and at 10 years of age, I accepted the grace of Jesus Christ. And from then, then until now, though I've made many mistakes, had a lot of problems and so on, my life is devoted to the Lord. Because he loved me so much, I love him. Which is a good segue into the second point of this discussion today. I am the good shepherd, and we're talking about his relationship to the sheep. We are dealing with the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Now, when you look at John chapter 10, verse 5, verse 12, the bad shepherds are spoken of as hirelings who don't care for the sheep. You find that in the second part of verse number 13. They don't care for the sheep. If a wolf comes, they run away. Bad shepherds, they are the ones who are just there doing a job. You know, I'm going to side note here for just a minute. Uh, pastors of churches are known as under shepherds. In other words, they serve the master shepherd, Jesus, but they serve as under shepherds for the flock. And you can always tell a good pastor versus a hireling. Uh, isn't it interesting? My phone would ring in the middle and I just turned it off. There we go. <laughs> My phone ringing in the middle of this. So I'm going to do this here real fast. So my phone will not ring now. But <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, under shepherds, pastors of churches. A good pastor of a church uh, isn't worried about his own personal gain. I mean, I believe pastors are worthy of their hire. I believe that, you know, we ought to support our pastor as much as possible and so on. But a good shepherd, trust me, he's doing a lot of work so that he's, he's doing a lot more than what a salary would pay. Sometimes they pay more into the church than what they get out of the church. That's a good shepherd, someone who's devoted to the sheep. Versus, I mean, I've seen some people who, who are pastoring churches uh, who they don't have that type of relationship. You know, they are there to preach their sermon on Sunday and get their check. And if, you know, if there's no money to pay the check, they don't get a sermon on the next Sunday. Uh, that's not a good shepherd. That, that is a bad under shepherd. Jesus is the supreme example of a good shepherd, of one who really cares for the sheep no matter what. I want you to notice that I'm, I'm an English teacher. And part of being, being, being an English teacher is that I understand a lot about grammar. I, uh, and those of you who know anything about grammar, you know what a personal pronoun is. I want you to notice the, the, the personal pronouns in the following sentences. Here we go. I know my sheep. I and my. The sheep know my voice. They know my voice. Personal pronoun. I came that they may have life. They may have life. I lay down my life for them. I, my, them. They follow me. They follow me. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Why does Jesus keep using these personal pronouns? I, me, my, they. 
Why is he using those personal pronouns? The reason is there's a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. There's a bond of love between the shepherd and the sheep. Do you know how strong this bond of love is between Jesus and his sheep? In John chapter uh, 10, verse number 15, the bond between the sheep and the shepherd are illustrated as the same bond between Jesus and the Father. Because he says, I know my sheep just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. He said the bond of love between the shepherd and the sheep are the same as between Jesus and the Father. That's the strongest potential bond of the universe. When we, uh, we, we go back to our idea of Trinity and we talked about the mystery of the Trinity how God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, but yet one God. They are so unified that we have one God, but yet we have three persons. Well, Jesus is saying his unity with the Father, his love with the Father, his companionship with the Father, so strong that it's one of the strongest bonds of the entire universe, even beyond the universe, uh, it's, it's the strongest possible bond, but yet he compares that bond to the bond between the shepherd, Jesus, and the sheep. That means there's a strong relationship. What does that mean? When I got saved at 10 years of age, I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's one of the strongest relationships a person can ever have. You know, the Bible says you'll know people by their fruits, uh, by their fruit. And I want to say this. When a person's in a real relationship with Jesus Christ, you can tell. Uh, you can tell. When people come to an altar and there's no change that's made, when people come to church on Sunday and they live you know, good Christian lives on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the week, you know there's not a real change taking place. There are, there are people who attend church just to attend church because the family's always attended the church, because there's a history with the church, or because the spouse makes them go to church, or the parents make them go to church, and so on. But then there are those you can tell that have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. They gave their hearts and lives to God. That bond exists. It's almost like the glow on Moses' face when he came into the presence of God. You can see that. Uh, you can see that type of glow in their lives. For some people, they're very quiet about it. They're quiet, but you can tell from their demeanors that, uh, that they have that relationship with the Lord. Other people are very demonstrative about it. I'm reminded of Sister Sandra in church. She's extremely demonstrative. She has no problem raising her hands and shouting hallelujah and so on. And that's good with me. I love it. Uh, because that or the other, what we find is that, you know, we have people with testimonies. Uh, they don't have to go around talking about Jesus all day. Their very demeanor shows the relationship with the Lord. The smile on their faces, the, you know, their whole, their, their whole deportment shows that they are in a relationship with the Lord. Uh, it's a relationship you don't want to break. I can honestly say, I've, I mean, since I've been a Christian for 42 years now, have I committed sin? Yes. Have I had temptations to sin? Absolutely. But you know, you know, this is truth. I haven't had a desire to break my relationship with the Lord. I've gone through some things where I've argued with God. There have been a couple times I've been mad at God. Uh, you know, where I've 
taught him, I said, Lord, I don't like you much right now. I don't know why you'd allow this or whatever. I had some times where, where, where I had some issues that I had to resolve with God. But I never wanted to break my relationship with the Lord. I never wanted to have that cease. His love was so evident in my life. And that relationship was so strong in my life. I didn't want to break, break that relationship with the Lord. And even to this day, I don't want to break that relationship. It's a strong relationship. It's an awesome relationship. Why would I want to break relationship with the shepherd who gave his life for me in the first place? The one who says that they know my voice, that uh, no one will snatch them out of my hand. I lay down my life for them. They follow me. I don't want to break that, that personal relationship I have with the Lord. It's a strong, strong bond. Lastly, we want to deal with the issue of the shepherd's search. The shepherd's search. You find this in, in chapter 10, and I want to deal with verse number 10. Verse number 10 has been a debatable verse for some people. It says, Jesus says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, I've heard that verse twisted and turned and made to say things it didn't mean. Uh, that I've heard that verse ripped out of context. I've, I've heard preachers preach on that verse. And I've sat in the pew and I've cringed going, you didn't study what's going on in this verse because that's not what the verse is saying. I've seen this verse ripped out of context more than once. So he says, I have people. I have sheep that are not part of this fold, but I'm going to go get them and make them part of the fold. Now, if these preachers and teachers would have done some commentary research and had looked some stuff up, they'd have found out exactly what's going on here. Here's what's happening. Jesus is a Jew. All right. All that I mean, I've, you, you have heard me say this more than once. Jesus is a Jew. All the disciples are Jews. They're all Jews. Uh, you know, if you're anti-Jewish, you have a major problem with the New Testament because Jesus was a Jew, uh, as well as all of the disciples. Your New Testament's written by Jewish people. They're Jews. Uh, so uh, if knowing, knowing that that's true, that Jesus and his disciples are Jews, he's talking about this fold. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to specifically the Jewish leaders. We have to keep the Bible in its context. All right. Jesus was not a Roman. Jesus was not a Frenchman. He was not an Englishman. He was not an American. He was a Jew. And he's talking to, I have sheep that do not belong to this fold. He's a Jew talking to Jews. He's talking to the Jewish leaders. What is he saying to the Jewish leaders? I have people that are not of this fold. I have non Jews. Guess who the non-Jews are? The non-Jews are me and you, most, most of you. Unless you're Jewish, he's talking about you. The Gentiles, the Bible calls us. He's talking about the Gentiles. Uh, I'm a Gentile. I, I have zero Jewish blood to my understanding. Uh, most of my family's French on one side and English on the other. Uh, English and French combination is kind of fun given the history. Uh, but uh, this, this other sheep he, uh, that, that Jesus is referring to, he's referring to the Gentiles. Now, understand, this is a little history lesson. Christianity did not start out as a separate religion. 
It, Jesus, nowhere in the Bible do we find Jesus ever saying he wanted a different religion. Christianity was a part of Judaism. It was part of being Jewish. And it came to be known as the way. Of course, Jesus says, I'm the way, truth, and life. And we will deal with that in Sunday school class later. Uh, but it, it was known as the way. And it was a sect of Judaism. I don't see anywhere in the Gospels where Jesus said, let's make a new religion. He wasn't trying to make a new religion. He was trying to show the way. That Jesus is the way. That he's the Messiah for the Jews. Because of the Jews' rejection of the Messiah, people of the way came to be known. You find this in Antioch, book of Acts. Uh, came to be known as Christians. And it developed into another religion. But that wasn't the way it was intended. The original intention of Jesus was that the Jews and the Gentiles would come together making a new church, a church of Jews and Gentiles as one flock under one shepherd who is Jesus Christ. That was the perfect plan. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we can get into a lot of stuff here. You know, Jesus, God, has a lot of plans. But it doesn't mean that those plans come to fruition. Do you know God never planned for anybody to go to hell? No, not, not one person. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. It was not intended for human beings at all. The Bible says God so loved the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's everybody, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're part of a general Baptist church. We believe in general atonement. We believe that whosoever can be saved. Uh, that because the plan of God is that no one goes to hell, but that everyone comes to repentance. That's also Bible. Everyone comes to repentance. But ladies and gentlemen, people are going to hell every day. That's not the plan of God. That's what happens because of people's rejection. God has his plans, but we are free moral agents and we can choose whether to accept or to reject those plans. The plan of Jesus as the good shepherd was that the Jewish people... And the Gentile people would come together under one flock. Him being, Jesus being the, the, the grand shepherd, the good shepherd. And that we would worship the Lord together. In this sense, Jesus was a missionary. Reaching out to the Gentiles while, while, while at the same time ministering to his own. Ministering to the Jewish people. Uh, that, of course, came as a rejection of the Jewish people. And, and the, the Jewish people, what I'm trying to say there is that they rejected Jesus as Messiah. They yelled to crucify him instead of accepting him. And thus, we now have two world religions instead of one. But the plan of Jesus was one, not two. Yet, we are called to be missionaries, to bring people, including Jews, to an understanding, a saving understanding, a saving relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we've spent two Sundays dealing with this idea of the shepherd. We, uh, last Sunday, we dealt with Jesus as the door, the door to the sheepfold, which means he's the way you get in. And then today, we've dealt a little bit with Jesus as the good shepherd, that he is the one who leads us. Because as sheep, we're not smart enough to lead ourselves. We really aren't. If we're dealing with cosmic matters, if we're dealing with, with these universal matters, we may think we're smart enough, but we are not. It takes the good shepherd to lead us the way we ought to go. 
That's why the psalmist says in that famous verse of scripture, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord's my shepherd. I ha and what does that verse really mean? I have given myself to the good shepherd because I know I can trust him to lead me in the right path. I can trust him to show me the right way so I don't get bogged down and so I don't, I don't get destroyed by the enemy. I want to have a word of prayer with you. Father, thank you for this time we've had in Sunday school. Thank you for this time we've had studying your word. We pray now, Lord, that the words that have been spoken, that you will amplify them inside of our hearts, that we can get closer to you. I pray, Lord, your divine blessing upon everyone who's hearing me today. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless them, that you'll bless their families. Help us, Lord, to always be, be totally receptive to you and your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed, were enriched, educated, and edified by this lesson from our adult Sunday school class. Each week, these Sunday school lessons are made available in video and audio formats. If you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday school videos, you can find them on our YouTube channel. Just subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.